And I'll tell you guys since we're, since we're all friends. Every character I write has a piece of me in them. Hi, I'm Lee Bardugo. You're listening to The Grisha Cast. Welcome to GrishaCast, episode 119. In this episode, we get the honor to speak with a storytelling genius whose highly anticipated novel releases at the end of the month. This is your host, Eric. And I'm Terry from Nashville, Tennessee. This is your podcast for all things Grishaverse. A world created by the fantastic, wonderful Lee Bardugo. Moi Savienyi, casters. Hello. So... What listeners do we have to say hello to? First, we have Coton Ukraine. Yay! And next, we're going to Orebro, Sweden. Yay! Yay! Love you, you all. Thank you. In this very special episode, we are chatting with Melissa Albert, who is the New York Times and indie bestselling author of the Hazelwood series and a former bookseller, editor, and YA blogger. Her work has been translated into more than 20 languages and is included in the New York Times list of notable children's books. Her newest novel, Our Crooked Hearts, is out June 28th, and we are so very excited to talk about this amazing story. Welcome, Melissa. So much. Hi, everybody. Hi. By <laughs> which I mean you two and everyone in the future. Uh, we are so excited that you're here. So, um... First Here. off, we've got to get um, some things out of the way. So we've got to ask you a couple questions about the Grishaverse. Um, yeah. One thing I did notice while I was reading your arc is that there was a quote that said, Kaz Brecker cheekbones yeah. as a description. So I, that You know it, just what I mean when you read it, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. So that gave me a hint that obviously Melissa has read Six of Crows and knows who Kaz Brecker is. Do you have a favorite crow? By chance, is it Kaz Brecker or you know it would have been Kaz at an earlier point in my life, but I uh. think Nina's lust for life in the face of horrific adversity is hard to beat. So it's it's Nina. Like at this time of life, I feel like post pandemic it's Nina. Pre pandemic and a more innocent time, it was probably Kaz. But I, I just I need to seize joy and eat waffles and be happy. Oh, waffles in the face of the dark. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I can get on board with that. <laughs> She's my favorite too. Um, so how did you get introduced to the Grisha verse? Oh man. So I used to work for Barnes and Noble. I was there, a young adult literature kind of content person. I ran a blog and a wonderful podcast that I love doing. Um, and I was familiar a little bit with the shadow and bone books. And then I started hearing kind of the rumblings of about six of crows. And I don't think I'd ever really read like a heist fantasy before. And I read it and I just like came out of it like this book was perfect. Like the plotting in it, just to read a book where at every turn you're kind of like, she's plotted herself into an impossible corner and then she <laughs> plots her way out. And that's just how I felt with Rule of Wolves. I, honest, I honestly, it felt to me like I was watching like a skateboarder do tricks and I was like, oh, you know what I mean? Um, so that's how I feel about Lee Bardugo, queen of plotting. Um, and it started with, Six of Crows, and now I'm just like obsessed with um, the Rule of Wolves, uh, King of Scars duology as well. I'm such a fan, and Ninth Ninth House is phenomenal. I'm so excited for you guys to to jump in. 
Oh, it's fantastic. I don't worry. I've already read it. I love it. Terry hasn't, so she's the oh, okay. Got yes, it. I mean, and also the show's going to come out sometime. I don't know when they start filming it, but I know that Amazon bought, bought the rights for Ninth House a long time ago. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, I, that's know. Really- I didn't know. So we like to play crazy games, and there's an insane game that I came up with um, that is, um, I'll explain. So it's called Fjordan Mary. to me while I answer book questions. Sorry, go on. Yeah. Oh, you're good. So it's called Fjordan Mary Kill. So if you wow. think back on when you were in high school, you might have played a game that Fjordan probably replaced. Yes. So um, anyways, would you like to play Feared and Mary Kill if we gave you just three different characters from definitely okay so and we'll play along with you it'll make it maybe make it a little easier so Feared and Mary Kill Kaz Nina and Jesper oh well I'm marrying Nina Feared and Kill Kaz and Jesper oh no this is a rough one I don't know how am I supposed to answer that? Mm. I mean, you can't kill Kaz. He's such a survivor, but it's heartbreaking to kill Jesper. <laughs> but I'm going to have to kill Jesper. Oh. And Fjordan Kaz. That'll be a lot easier. Um, but yeah, definitely marry Nina. Ooh, that's a good choice. Yeah. I like that. Well, oh, yeah, I guess I should go. <laughs> um, I was like, hmm, I think, I guess I would fear it in, I would fear it in Jesper. Um, Fair. Yeah, Mary. I, see, if I married Kaz, it'd be an interesting relationship. Um, <laughs> but I'd really, I'll marry Nina because we would just be like gal pals. And you would brunch every yes. weekend. We would with tea, and I I don't have a problem killing Kaz because um, I think he. Well, yeah, I do. I'm sorry, that's a complete lie. He's like he'd probably be like, "Death is the next frontier." I don't know. He'd be really hard about it. Probably. I just, I just feel like marrying him would be hard, and if I feared in him, how is that going to happen? I mean, he doesn't touch skin, so. A good point. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm. Well, something to consider, but I've made my bed, so it's okay. <laughs> now right, you lie with Kaz in it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's a really big bed. Yes, yes. <laughs> he's. There's a line he will make sure that you don't cross. Respectful line that I always respect. All right. Um. Okay. So I'm gonna have to feared in Nina for obvious reasons. Duh. Um. <laughs> I would probably marry Jesper because uh, I think it would be fun. And I think it'd be fun because... Keep separate bank accounts, though. Just Yes, 100% separate bank accounts and a prenup. Because um, <laughs> wow. I think it'd be fun to play because he's, he's by Pan. So I think it'd be fun to play like games with him. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and he's a good player, to be sure. Yes. 100%. So I think we'd have a lot of fun like messing with people. Um and then I would say that I'm going to kill Kaz, but he doesn't die. No. So I probably wouldn't be successful. Mm-hmm. Good point. Yeah. That's a good way to get out of that one. I like you it. Achieve the, the goal of the game. <laughs> we did fantastic. Mazel yes. tov everyone. Yay. 
<laughs> I'm going to let you go on with the next question. Okay. So I do you like fairy tales by chance? I have a feeling that you have. I do. Yes, I do. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, cuz I am I love them. I've been obsessed with them. So um anybody that can find that loves fairy tales, I always like to ask like I mean, do you have a fa- like absolute diehard favorite? Like I do. Yeah. Okay, so I feel like I have two answers for that and one is probably I think the realer answer is at the 12 dancing princesses to me is irresistible. Like the idea of these 12 girls going, it's essentially, it's, it's a portal fantasy inside of a fairy tale. So they like go through a door in the back of their closet. They climb down the staircase. They walk through a gold, silver and jewel forest. They're carried in swan boats across a subterranean lake by like these silent princes. They dance all night through their shoes and then they're ferried back up to their bedrooms by morning this is like a wild, it's like a fairy tale inside a fairy tale. Like, what is this world? Is it hell? What is it? <laughs> it's so fascinating to me. It's so beautiful and strange. And it, it it just prompts so many questions in your mind. I love, um, there's so many good 12 Dancing Princesses retellings out there. One of my favorite is Wildwood Dancing. I just love it. Um, by Juliette Merlier. Uh, I love the juniper tree because it's so weird and dark. But I think 12 Dancing Princesses, is like beautiful and haunting and I can't get enough of that fairy tale. How I've, about you? I've never read it. So that is intriguing to me. So I'm going to have to. I spoiled my, it. Oh, well. Oh, it's okay. I am like, I'm around for a while, totally so. good. My all time favorite is sleeping beauty. Like love okay. sleeping beauty to like, I mean, yeah, I love Aurora. Um, so much that I've come up with my own like fairy name, which would be Auroran. <laughs> um and yeah, that's a, it's a little bit of a leap but not too much right i know <laughs> but i yeah i'm a cl- i like um snow white and um sleeping beauty uh sleeping yeah. beauty there's yeah. some really good ones out there um yeah. some new versions um mm-hmm. how about you tear see that's a hard one now because i've gone through this whole thing in life and <laughs> a lot of fairy tales are very heteronormative have you anti-feminism um so i don't know the correct answer to that one right now i don't think did you I think have, the re- oh. retelling the world of retellings was probably yes i love retellings yeah that book i gave you uh spindle like i mean mm-hmm. you need to read that then mm-hmm. because, oh, you need to read oh juniper thorn by ava reed sorry i interrupted you but oh you're I'm fine i to recommend ava reed's new book it's so good <laughs> I I'm all about some good retellings and yes, um, I gave that. To, so you haven't mm-hmm. started that yet. I'm halfway through it. Okay. Well, good girl. <laughs> You're going to see that it's exactly what you just asked for. Okay. I probably shouldn't. End. God, I'm horrible. I ruin books for people. Okay. But I'm going to definitely the juniper tree. I mean, yeah. Oh. Juniper and thorn by Ava Reed. It's brilliant. It's a phenomenally gorgeous, gothic. Oh, dark, scary, um important retelling of of the juniper tree and it's out uh out uh tuesday actually oh wow so do you like holly black and the cruel prince fairy land stuff or yeah okay yeah same here Very much. Mm, obsessed with those i know she's amazing oh my god yeah i'm the vampire girl so I, you I, are girl <laughs> in cold down what was that do you like coldest girl in cold down that's like your holly black poison 
I have no idea what that is. That is a good, that's Holly Black's vampire story. You're going to love it. It's so good. Uh, Well, I'm reading that one. Yeah. And I love Holly Black stuff. Her, um, especially her latest one, um, The Book of Night is so good and so different. It's, um, yeah, that's crazy. But the fairies that she uses in A Cruel Prince, I think, I actually looked at the books that she says she got the inspiration from, the Brian Froud art books, and I just love that there's one other person in the world that had those books. Oh my God, I love those books. I brought it to like look at with my kid and it's still a little too spooky for him. Yeah. They're they're pretty spooky. They're like twiggy little, creepy little, I mean, they're great. I love Absolutely. those Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I should probably start talking about fairy tales. But, <laughs> but it's fun. It is. <laughs> True. Okay, so bringing it back, why don't you give us a little background as to what brought you to writing? Ooh, okay. I mean, I guess what brings a lot of people to writing, which is like a lifelong passionate desire to devour every book that comes within your orbit. Um, Yeah, my parents were super supportive of my wanting to read. I was very shy, like books for an escape, books for my social life, which, you know, is... um, for better or worse, but uh, I, I think it turned out okay. But definitely, um, yeah, books just meant so much to me. And it was absolutely just that feeling of wanting to live inside a book eventually extended to my desire to live inside a world that I created and a world that I could control. And like, I guess as a reader, the thing I want more than anything is to like find out what happens next. And as a writer, it's like the same thing. I just... Um, love to kind of write a book without a map and just almost like writing is like telling yourself the story, I guess. Um, it's also some days are not that fun and they're very hard, but yeah, it just came out of that, that joy and that sense of discovery and that sense of the world being bigger and better and more magical than the one you live in. And it was like never a question that I was going to write anything but fantasy novels. Like I love contemporary books and you know all that but like what really gets my heart is is speculative fiction wow yeah and then I I wrote journalism for a while as kind of like this idea of well I don't think I could I don't want to like write novels and then I realized actually that is what I want to do and I changed gears and went longer (laughs) and that's where I've landed was it difficult to change gears It was so strangely difficult. I had this idea when I decided to like write a book. It was 2011 and I decided to do National Novel Writing Month, which I'm sure you've heard of it. But for any listeners who haven't, it's like you write 50,000 words in November and um, just like on any one project. Uh, The idea being like anyone can write a novel, give yourself a month to focus on it. And I decided like I've read thousands, hundreds, whatever it's been books in my life. I can totally do this. And then I discovered, of course, that it was like, totally different it's like watching ice skaters and then being like I'm now going to do (laughs) ice skating routine it's not actually the same you have to learn um so starting in 2011 I started taking seriously the idea of like actually learning how to put a story together and it was I think there was like this bloody-minded sense of I was like this is really hard and I have no physical skills and I will never achieve something hard <laughs> like athletically or whatever. So I want to like do this really hard thing just to see if I can. And then it just ended up being something that I like love to do. Wow. That's fantastic. And I am, um, you know, one of my favorite things to do, and we actually talked about this last week, is not reading the back of a book 
um and giving your like so the even the plot of a book is like so interesting and Mm -hmm. it's just um when you're just speaking it just kind of reminded me of that just i i love that stuff Mm -hmm. so love that idea of encountering a book only through the words and not through the jacket copy oh absolutely i've done it for a long time i used to actually take a sticky note um and like cover up the back so like and tape it down so i literally couldn't read it and um i promise you it's fascinating it really is um so okay so let's get on into our like what we've been waiting for your our crooked hearts and i we both loved it fantastic fantastic um where'd you get the inspiration for that like where did this come from Yeah. So the funny thing is that I, um, initially it came out of setting, which I I'm always really interested uh, because before I became someone who wrote and actually stuck with it and finished projects, I thought that to be a writer and to finish a project, you needed to have this like big, fat, juicy, rich idea in your head. And I've since realized like you can grow the seed of a story from like anything. So the seed of the story was the idea that, um, With my duology, uh, The Hazelwood and its sequel, The Night Country, it was definitely like urban fantasy, urban and portal contemporary fantasy. But I, despite living in a city as an adult, I, most of my childhood was spent in the suburbs. So I was like, I'm going to write a suburban fantasy. The idea being that it would be like that kind of the noirish crackle of urban fantasy, of, of urban fantasy, but with that super specific suburban setting that I actually grew up in. And everything came out of that. Like, I think the witchcraft thing probably came in because when I myself was a suburban teen, I wanted to be a witch. So it just kind of was almost like this, this natural outgrowth of, of that suburban setting for me. And it all just came out of the writing from there. So I had the setting, I had my lifelong love of witches, a desire to become one. And then I, I worked on it during the pandemic. And I think what that did for me was, uh, during the pandemic, I had trouble reading at first because, you know, my mind, like everyone else's was like popcorn blowing up. Um, and what brought me back to the page was like heavy duty genre fiction. So stuff like Naomi Novik, for instance, was like one of the first things I read that focused me enough to actually finish something. So I wanted to write a book that had like mystery, thriller, horror, fantasy kind of all cooked up to I guess sort of mirror the experience I had as a reader during the pandemic of like the stuff that actually made me want to turn pages when my brain was like out to lunch. I, uh, (laughs) I love witches too. And I think I've, um, have you watched Coven, of course, like an American horror story by chance? Like that's probably the best one. And, um, better watch brand new cherry flavor. Ooh. My God. Um, uh, what's her name? Catherine Keener. She's the scariest witch. Really? Ever. Yeah. She's terrifying. Oh. So good. I feel like I am definitely related to, like, I wanted to be a witch when I was like in the nineties. It was just part of it. Like, you know, the craft came out and like, oh my God, like love that movie. And like, literally I was actually telling Terry that like, <laughs> there was a person that I tried to bind. Yep. From whatever the movie like showed me to do. <laughs> I know. I that's do, probably- yeah. Yes. A little too Did dark. No. Mm-mm. No, it was a bully. Um, um, so cool. I went and photocopied his picture from the yearbook. And then, um, yeah. So I know. Oh. 
his punishment is he has to live inside his bully's head. You know, actually, what's funny is years later, which actually was not that long ago, I worked for a magazine where my, like, email was all over this magazine. I got an email from him apologizing randomly for the bullying he did to me. So um, maybe it did work. Yeah, something. Okay. So. (laughs) So speaking of, there are several nods to 90s witchy goth culture in this book, trying not to give too much away. But I uh, definitely felt uh, the uh, the 90s witchy, gothy stuff that I lived through. What inspired that storyline? Oh, my gosh. Just being like, so this book is half set in the suburbs. It's like a girl. She's a teenager growing up in the suburbs of Chicago. And then half of the book is set in the 19, 1990s in the city, her mother growing up. And it's a story of basically, you know, her mother dabbles in dark magic and the legacy of what she does, does the summer she turns 16 is now haunting her daughter. 25 years later in very literal ways. So I myself was, I was born in Chicago, but then I, I moved as a, as a small kid to the suburbs. That's where I grew up. So it was my upbringing as a suburban kid driving into the city to go to like the alley and like the Clark and Belmont shopping area and, you know, buying like uh, jewelry because I love the Sandman and all this stuff. And um, then I set the city part in uh, East Rogers Park primarily in like the northern part of Chicago, which is my dad grew up in East Rogers Park and I uh, lived in in northern Chicago uh, in my 20s. And that just kind of I, the idea of, of that city and suburb mix was like very appealing to me. And I love the idea of Dana's story. She's like the mom in the 90s kind of being your classic paranormal tale And then her daughters being like this kind of modern interrogation of like, what would actually happen to like the Bella Swans or whatever, when they go on to have children and their children have to reckon with what happened, what their parents went through. Um, And I know Bella Swan does have a child. So yes, obviously Renesmee is doing fine. (laughs) But um, yeah, I just thought that would be like kind of fun to combine those threads. I'm very happy that it seems like that whole thing is coming back around the trends that, oh, yeah, that cycle, that whole nineties, witchy stuff is coming back and that's really fun. I felt yeah. like I was, cause I love the nineties and there's um a quote somewhere, like I wish I could quote it, but where it's about the, how the music is just like, so gr- I feel like the nineties music was the best and nothing has ever come out since then like it except for a couple bands that terry has shown me that sound exactly like the 90s um I think it sounds like it does when you're 16 like nothing right i mean it's like when i was nine and i didn't own a cell phone and i was like reading fantasy novels with my feet on the heater like i love books but no book will ever be as good as those books i read when i was nine right nothing will ever sound as good as pj harvey did the first time i heard her when i was 17 so it's like I mean, that's one of the reasons I love YA is because like that head rush of newness is like just inherent in, in the writing and reading of YA. So it's, it's a hard genre. It's a hard category to quit. Yeah, I agree. We should come up with a playlist for your um, book because I really feel like I could actually put one together. Cause I literally like, I heard Portishead a lot while I was reading it. Yes. Oh yeah, totally. Just, I know I am. Total mu- music buff. I actually put one together recently. It's gonna we're gonna share it soon, and it's got a lot Ooh. of stuff in the book. So like Liz Fair and PJ and the Flamingos and the Bright Eyes. When... Oh Nate, yeah. Oh you... my gosh. Or like the Smiths. That's like the Nate bands, of course. 
I, he's like vintage sad. I mean, I love those bands. Don't get me wrong. I am and I am I am a little bit Nate. We all we all are a little bit a little bit of everything. <laughs> Absolutely. I was just amazed that I mean, I was thinking about Bright Eyes wasn't even really I didn't think Bright Eyes was that popular in the 90s. I felt like Bright Eyes got more popular in the 2000s. So I was like the fact yeah. that Bright Eyes I I found it amazing. So it was an applaud to you. So Thank you. Yeah, that was like the contemporary threads. So he's like, it's like vintage set, like vintage emo for Nate, which of course he would dig up, you know, vintage emo to impress, to impress people he's dating. So one question I had while reading this novel, there's a very, um, there's a theme that runs through the entire book. Why rabbits? Oh, God. Oh, man. Okay. So. What should I say? I will first of all start and say that I had a pet rabbit and he was a lovely little man. His name was Silky Pinky Albert because I got him when I was, I know I got him when I was nine. I don't even, I know it's too much. It's too much. He's delightful. Um, The uh, rabbit thing came about super organically and it really wasn't until a friend read the book that they were like, what, what? Like, why? (laughs) Oh yeah, I didn't really like step back and look. Um, When I lived in Chicago, I had someone in my neighborhood was um, putting birds, beheading them and putting them on sticks. And I ended up calling like animal control and animal control was like, that's the occult, call 911. And 911 was like, ma'am, this is the city of Chicago. Why are you calling us about a dead bird? It was the whole thing. And since then, I've had in my mind this, this like image, because this was like a terrible thing. It was, it was something that was happening more than once in my neighborhood. Um, and I decided to write into a book. And then when I wrote it into the book, I realized like birds aren't enough because a cat could do this kind of thing. And I thought, well, to amp it up, because it's a story, I'm going to make it rabbits. And then I just, I love rabbits in the, rabbits in fantasy storytelling I think about like Kelly Link Stone Animals is one of my favorite stories. I think about like rabbits in the movie Us, Jordan Peele's movie Us. They're just, I think they're witchier and spookier than cats, honestly. Like hares even more so than rabbits, but you don't really find hares running around the suburbs of Chicago. Um, So that is where it started. And then it escalated. (laughs) Um, So that is, that's the origin though was like something that kind of happened to me that I was almost exercising onto the page, which I imagine I'm not the only author who's done that. It's actually the cover of Hellbent. If you notice, like there's that creepy rabbit on there. I know. Yeah. Yeah. And people are like, Millen, do they not like rabbits? (laughs) Um, But we love rabbits. And Silky was so great. He was a little albino. um, the white fur, the pink, the pink eyes and the, you know, he had, he's the high ears, not the lop ears. Yeah. He was a good dude. Aww. And I think we all read Banicula back in we the day. We all read Banicula. I read it again and I forgot it was narrated by like a clever urbane dog. I love that book. <laughs> so good. So if this is really throwing it out there and you might have to think about it for a second, but maybe you might just know the answer off the, like if you could retell any other story in all of human history like oh man what would you want to retell i mean probably the 12 dancing princesses i figured yeah 
Yeah, I'm actually, I did a fairy tale for a uh, retelling anthology coming out this fall uh, called At Midnight. Dahlia Adler edited it for Flatiron. It's lovely. I'm actually reading it now and there's like Melinda Lowe has a gorgeous story. Anna Marie Moore's story is phenomenal. It's really good. Um, and I, my story in it is actually, it stars Nate, the boyfriend <laughs> from our Crooked Hearts. And um, I just, I like Nate kind of stuck in my head. I just kind of like liked him as, I don't know, as a character. So I gave him a story that's like, it's kind of like sleep no more meets fairy tales. Uh, so it's like about an immersive theater production gone very wrong. Um, and initially I thought, I, I decided to retell a non-existent fairy tale. So I like invented a fairy tale to retell, which at the time I thought was like a great idea. And, I, and I'm proud of the story. I really love it. But I'm also kind of like, but this was my chance to retell 12 Dancing Princesses. And I should have taken it. But I just, I had this Nate idea in my head. I couldn't quit. So maybe one day I'll get back and do 12 Dancing Princesses. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of these days. So we've touched on it a little bit, but what other books or stories did you read that helped create and inspire the author that you are today? Oh, yeah. Um, Chronicles of Narnia, Peter Pan, Wise Child. Those are big ones. Honestly, like The Voyage of the Dawn Treader is, remains one of my favorite books. Peter Pan definitely like contributed to my identity as like you know, a person in the wrong place in time, kind of this idea of like, there is a, there is a world and a place for me and it's not this world. And I think that contributes to like becoming a writer because you want to write, a, you want to write a brighter, more interesting, more like boiled into meaning kind of a world for yourself. So those books meant a lot to me. Um, I mean, Harriet the Spy, the mixed up files of Mrs. Basil Frank Weiler. I love those books. Uh, and then Francesca Leah Block was kind of like, blew my mind and I discovered that uh, through Girl Goddess number nine and then Weetsy Bat and all those connected books when I was like 13 or 14 and that was a huge sea change for me um my first fandoms like as far as writing fan fiction mine were um I wrote my own choose your own adventure novels and which are hilarious now to look at I was not joking around I was doing it I loved it um and I did Bruce Coville's magic shop fanfic uh, except I didn't make it fanfic. I tried to pretend it was all my own ideas, like that I was lying to myself. And when I read it, I'm like, this is fanfic. <laughs> um, so like Jeremy Thatcher, Dragon Hatcher is my favorite of those. And then now, like as an adult, I think the one I keep going back to, the one I, every time I reread it, I like never get bored. And I always, it's just always a joy and it's always inspiring to read is Lev Grossman's Magician's Trilogy. And uh, yeah, yes. So those, those are the touchstones, I would say. Do you like the show? Do you, I haven't read the book, Magician. I do love the show. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I feel like um, the first season, you're kind of like finding your way into the world. And then in later seasons, it feels like the, the writers are so in love with the world. And they find like, if you have read the books, they'll take like little tiny moments from throughout the trilogy and like blow it up into these fascinating storylines. They did like such a good job at mining the material. It's just like a masterclass and like, adapting something shorter to like something longer and kind of still keeping true to like what what's actually in the books yeah so this is one of my favorite questions of all time I think if you could live in any fandom any fandom 
where live we, in the fandom, like live among the people who love it, or yeah, live in like, the world like, a, like I mean, in the fandom, like I mean, like in the story, I, I would like I mean the land itself, like Elfheim wow. or the Grisha verse. Um, yeah, where would I you? Would, yeah, I am like I'm like I'm ready. I've been waiting for this question to be asked. Um, no, I would I would want to be see. There's here's there is a problem. I would want to be. Um, I would want to rule at Care Paravel in Narnia. I would want to be Lucy Pevensey or Pevensey or whatever it is. But at any minute, Aslan could kick me out and I could have aged. I could be like 39 and Aslan could be like, later. And then suddenly I'm like 10 years old again in like a drafty house in England. So there's constantly that feeling of like you could be ejected from your life and your adulthood. So that's scary to me. Um so with caveats, Narnia, how about you guys? Is it the Grishaverse? Well, um, so I got to ask Lee this question, and she was yeah. like going back and forth trying to figure it out. And I had already think I had answered that I was gonna live in Elfheim. And okay. just because I was at that time obsessed with it. Um, because the Grishaverse, I would love to, but it's re- I mean it. It's dangerous. I mean, there's war just constantly going on. I would really like to be in Elfheim, even though that's dangerous. At least I'd be able to stare at a lot of really pretty things. And yeah. I just... I would be like a Ketterdam beer wench, and I would die on the third page. Like, I just wouldn't... <laughs> like, no. How about you, Terry? Um, I think I would love to live in Anne Rice's vampire world. It is uh-huh. our world, but yeah. to, like, be a be part... A vampire? What was that? You'd be a vampire right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> You're like, I would be the victim who dies also on the third page. So, uh, yeah. Kind of like Pandora. I love Pandora's story. I would love to be kind of in her timeline, but, um, but yeah, that's, that's right. It's, you know, it's our world. So it's not that much different, but to just be part of that, like underground vampire theater oh, kind of, cool. yeah. Oh, you're going to love coldest girl in cold town. You got to pick that up right away. I do. I do. I'm trying to think if there's another one I want to do, but no, I'm going <laughs> to stay in Elfheim. Yeah. Well, um, thank you so much for joining us. This has been fantastic. And, um, that with you guys, how can, like, I mean, what, what can, what's coming next? Is there more of our crooked hearts coming or well, it's, let's see the 19th of June right now as we record. So coming next is crooked hearts on June 28th. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Let me go into commercial mode. Um, after that, I am hoping that I will be able to announce my next book soon. Uh, I can't yet, oh. but I'm so excited. I'm working on something new that I'm loving. And I think it's it's like the best thing for the writer's headspace as you approach release is to be working on the thing that you're not about to release uh, so that you can keep your feet under you because pre, pre-release stress is real. Um, so that I hope to get to talk about at a later date. And then, as I mentioned, at midnight, I've got that story coming out in the fall that I'm that I'm excited about. And that's all I can say for now. Well, that's exciting. (laughs) And um, we know that you're going to actually be coming to Nashville on July 11th, coming to Parnassus. I've never been to Nashville at all. And I get to come a little bit early. And it's I just heard such good things about the city. And so I just I'm, you know, obviously I'm a bookstore tourist. Like when I go to a new town, I want to go to two places. I want to go, well, three, like bookstores, coffee, and swimming pools are kind of like how I 
lap pools, like how I mark a city because of the things I want to do. I want to drink coffee, swim laps, and go to a bookstore, <laughs> um, which doesn't sound that exciting, but to me, it's everything. So I can't wait to come to Nashville. Oh, well, we're excited for you too. And um, Parnassus is amazing. So you're going to love it. And um, yeah, it really, I think it's our only independent bookstore in like in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. More need to pop up. I know. Isn't that, it's really crazy. So oh, Ann Patchett, I had no idea she was like filling this kind of need in the city. That's so cool. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, I'm even more excited, if anything. Well, we can't wait to see you, and you have to try hot chicken, too. I'm ready. Hot chicken. <laughs> coffee, books, hot chicken. I'm in. That's my that's my Nashville itinerary. Well, thank you so much, and um, we're going to have to catch back up with you next time and when you can tell us more about what you have coming up. So. That's amazing. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, Terry. This is so much fun to chat with you guys. Thank you. Bye. 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 That was fantastic. Yes. Thank you so much, Melissa. She was so great. And truthfully, everybody out there, this is an incredible book. It It's really good. I I loved it. I devoured it. And it's, it's really awesome, especially if you love like witchy 90s gothic stuff. It's, um, it's really got some good twists in there. Yeah, it is available on presale now. So go ahead and presale that. Yeah, support her. She's mm-hmm. fantastic. So, um, well, we're going to take a little break uh, just because, you know what? We deserve one. So we are excited because we will be coming back and starting Ninth House. However, we will be back Friday, July 8th, and we will be covering the prologue, Chapter 1 and 2. So when you get to Chapter 3 in Ninth House, stop it. Um, <laughs> yeah, but we are excited because it's a great book. And yeah, so we love you all. Thank you for listening. Long live the Grishaverse. Like we're at the end of the hour, so my voice is a little husky. It was. No No mourners. No funerals. This has been GrishaCast. Connect with us on the web at GrishaCast.com. Send an email to info at GrishaCast.com. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok at GrishaCast. And thank you to our amazing staff, Chris, Alex, Michelle, and Chloe. 